I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 123 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I know many of you are gearing up to watch the NFL championship games this weekend. My guest today played 10 years in the National Football League as a fullback. He has a Super Bowl ring. Heath Evans will be joining me in just a minute, so please stick around for the interview. Heath speaks openly about the allegations of sexual harassment, which cost him his job with the NFL Network. So believe me, guys, you do not want to miss out on this one. Uh, And for those of you who are going to the games this weekend, why not save $20 off your tickets by using my promo code over on SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app. I have proudly partnered with SeatGeek, and you can use my promo code FIRSTCLASS, that's one word, First Class at the checkout, and First Class Fatherhood listeners will now save $20 off your ticket purchase uh, over on SeatGeek, and that's good for any tickets on their site, guys, concerts, Broadway shows, whatever you like. Get over to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. All right, and uh, what an amazing week of guests I had the pleasure of speaking with. If you guys missed out on any of them, please take some time over the weekend, download the episodes, and catch up. I had some really great content out there, some awesome first-class fathers, including Trent Shelton, uh, Congressman Sean Duffy, retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, real estate expert Andy Dane Carter. They were all here with me this week. Uh, They delivered some awesome advice and wisdom. Uh, Please take a minute, if you can. Uh, download them. Next week is no different. I'll be smacking you guys with five episodes loaded with good content. I'm going to have first-class fathers, including Emmy winner Mario Armstrong, celebrity concierge Steve Sims, former Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell will be here with his wife Melanie. So come on, guys. Lock it into first-class fatherhood. We are rolling here. I owe it all to you listeners out there. Please, if you get a chance, get over to iTunes. Drop me a rating or review. Let's keep this celebration of fatherhood rocking the ratings. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I will be right back on the other side of a quick spot with First Class Father Heath Evans. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Today's interview is being brought to you by SeatGeek. Get over to SeatGeek.com today or download their app. You're going to get $20 off your tickets to any event on their site, sporting event, concert, Broadway show, whatever you like. You use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you're going to get $20 off your tickets over at SeatGeek.com. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a 10-year veteran of the National Football League. He played fullback for the Seahawks, Dolphins, Patriots, and Saints. He was a part of the New Orleans Saints team, which won Super Bowl 44. He transitioned to a career in broadcasting, where he spent seven years with the NFL Network. It is a great privilege for me to say, Heath Evans, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, flattered to be a part. 
All right, let's get this underway here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Two girls. Ava Grace Evans is 14. Uh, my little April Fool's baby. She was born uh, April 1 of 2004. And then uh, Naomi Reese Evans, uh, boy, my, my, my bundle of joy. She is her daddy um, wrapped up in a, in a girl's body. So she is 12 and um, November 20th is her birthday. So hands full, but um, man, love love these girls. Absolutely. Um, adore is not the word. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Uh, I've got four myself, and my oldest is about to be a teenager, so uh, I am bracing for impact. Uh, uh, listen, it's, it's, it's it, I, I say this, if you lay the groundwork right, I mean, 13 is no different than 12, 14 is no different than 13. Some of the challenges are different, obviously, but, man, if, if trust and a foundation of openness and honesty from parent to child and child to parent um, listen, especially for daddies and daughters, I, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. I, I like these older years more so than the younger years because we actually have a, a relationship. Like you can, they're, they're becoming little adults and there's experiential knowledge. The conversations become much more easy, um, in some sense because you're not, you're not trying to communicate and build a relationship with a three year old. Well said. What type of, um, sports or activities are they into? Um, a little bit of everything. They've done everything from ballet to dance to volleyball and basketball. Uh, we tried soccer once. Thank God that that, that wasn't uh, Ava's forte. I was bored out of my mind, and, and I couldn't help coach her because I didn't know anything about the sport. But uh, um, try to try to keep them busy. Definitely never been one of those things that I have forced. Um, that being said, if I'm ever blessed with a boy, um, I, I would probably – um, make him play football through high school just because I think it's the game, um, the physical pain aspect, the teamwork aspect, submission to a, uh, a coach and authority over you in those circumstances I think is definitely something that I would want my, my boy to have to be under, um, but definitely wouldn't make him chase any dreams, nor would I make Ava and Naomi chase any dreams that are my dreams and, and not theirs. Yeah, and that's something that I wanted to touch on here, Heath. I, I love to get insight on this from former NFL players because uh, deciding whether or not to allow your son to play uh, tackle football with the pads is a very difficult decision for a lot of dads out there and moms uh, with everything we now know about CTE. So what's a good age, do you think, for a kid to put on the pads and play tackle? Four. I mean, here's the thing. like People pretend to know a lot about CTE, but the honest doctors really know that, hey, we know that CTE is scar tissue. But we also know that, you know, there's a lot of kids that have CTE that have never played football um, and go on to live very healthy, productive lives. And, um, you know, when I worked for the NFL Network, um, I always fought for them to let me really deliver the truth because the numbers just don't add up. Negativity sells, hate sells, um, fear-mongering sells. And so um, when you really dig into the numbers, I mean, let's take the, the – population of the former players that I worked with at NFL Network. Um, there was about 35 of us um, that played anywhere from eight years to 15 years, some of us at fullback in the most gruesome position at linebackers, um, quarterbacks, etc. And yet you dig through that population of, of males that had significantly long careers. Um, you know, Michael Robinson has some headache issues at times, um, but, but none of us were suffering with anything that the news and the media is trying to sell everyone. And for some reason, the NFL would, would never really take the stance on hard, cold facts, um, which I, I hate because it's hurting our game. It's hurting the youth movement. More parents 
um, are listening to the lying news instead of really knowing the facts. Um, CTE is scar tissue. There is no direct correlation to that scar tissue creating depression, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, anything else. They are skeptics, and they are trying to answer questions, and they are trying to link things. But at the end of the day, you can have two doctors that went to Harvard that studied all the same classes, went to all the same tests, had A's all the way through, and they have complete differing opinions on um, what the ramifications are of CTE. And the our male population studies of guys that played in the NFL versus that didn't from uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, early onset dementia, Alzheimer, uh, suicide, um, all these different things, our, our numbers are better than the male populations that have never set foot on an NFL field. And so, again, I always challenge people, you know, people listen to their Fox News or their CNN or their MSNBC, but you got to go research for yourselves what the truth is. And it's a sad day that we live in where sometimes it's hard to find the truth. But um, I'll explain it like this, and then I'll shut up. Obviously, you can tell I'm passionate about this game and passionate about um, kids not being able to play it because of false lie information. When when you take a kid and you put them in pads at, at seven years old, um, I played flag football five, six, and seven, and then at eight, uh, eight years old I started, I got to put the pads on. So you take a kid at seven or eight years old, he's going to hit another kid in practice maybe at one mile an hour, maybe two miles an hour. At 12, he's going to be hitting at four or five miles an hour. Uh, at 14 or 15 in varsity football, some of those collisions could be at 16 or 17 miles an hour. Now, take a boxer. No matter how elite his skills are, you have to, the, the war of attrition, learning how to take a hit, learning how to get your chin and your forehead tagged with different hits is part of the boxing skill set. And so football is the same thing. The, the basic evolution of an athlete and his body being tempered to get hit at one or two miles an hour and then three or four and then five or six in this gradual growth process of the body learning not only the head but the bone structure and the back and the neck to be able to handle the wear and tear of varsity high school football. So the, the lunacy, the, the ignorance really of I'm going to hold my son out until he's 14 and then I'm going to put him on the field with a Heath Evans who's been playing football, tackle football since he was seven he's at a disadvantage from the jump. Um, and then I'll end with this. Nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Our food is hot garbage. Uh, kids drink Gatorade and sodas and all this other crap when you and I probably grew up on water and whole milk. Um, so there is a major effect to where our food has been stripped of all its nutrients. So if parents can afford to feed their kids organic and, and get the good fruits and the good vegetables and make them eat all their meats and their fish and their chicken, the brain, our body is an amazing, amazing thing. It will heal and recover from anything as long as you aren't taking the abuse of the game of football and then compounding it with drugs and alcohol and beating it up from both ends. Um, I had three confirmed concussions um, in my career, but every single time I went home and got in a dark room, I rested, I hydrated, I slept, I did all the things that I was told to do, and I have absolutely no issues whatsoever. I've always been the ADD kid. I've always been a bit forgetful. Um, but in, in my career, I took care of my body, and my body took care of me. 
Yeah, really good points, Heath. And uh, it's an important conversation to have, especially because times are so much different. When I was a kid, you know, I didn't play in any flag football leagues. We played a serious amount of street ball. Uh, there were some brutal collisions that occurred. But, um, you know, we did quickly learn how to tackle, how to be tackled properly. And uh, when it comes to the organized sports, I, I think it's better to have kids involved in the sports and be a part of a team rather than be the loner that ends up getting involved in drugs and alcohol because I just think that's just a certain path to destruction. Uh, but still, with all this information or in misinformation, as you're saying, um, all a parent really needs to hear is, is um, you know, that there's a real danger or threat to their child's safety, and it makes it a really difficult choice for parents. Well, I, I look, I link oftentimes physical pain to emotional pain and even just relational pain. And, and the thing about football is that if, if you're going to be any good at it and you're going to be a good teammate, um, you're going to have to submit to the authority of of your coach, which is a, a great lesson to learn early in life, to submit to authority. Um, you're going to learn how to have to work together with people to die to self, where, you know, as a fullback, some weeks, you know, Super Bowl years, you know, I'd, I'd have um, 18 snaps a game. And then sometimes I'd have 50 snaps a game. Well, depending on what was best for the team that day, I had to sacrifice for, for the betterment of the team. Well, that's marriage. So what is my what does my wife need? What what, do, what does Ava and Naomi need today? Well, okay, I want to go to the gym. I want to go play golf. I want to do this. Me, 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 me. Or am I going to sacrifice for for the betterment of Ava and Naomi? Am I going to sacrifice for um, my my future wife? And and those are just things that yes, you can learn in basketball. But basketball is a group of five. Football is a group of eleven at all times. And if one person misses their mental mistake or has a physical mistake. Most of the time on offense, all 10 suffer the repercussions of that one person's making a mistake. And so there's just so many different levels of, of life skill training that the game of football, um, namely with the physical pain, when you learn how to handle physical pain, sometimes it can be a lot easier to handle emotional pain and relational pain. And you know how to somewhat categorize it to, to not let it destroy you, not let it send you down a, an, a, a, a disastrous path, but learn how to to handle it and get better and push through it, those life lessons, I just, I hate the fact that kids are, are missing out on that because of, of misinformation. And, and that's just, um, that's just the truth of the whole CTE concussions. People are like, Heath, you just didn't know what concussions were when you were talking about playing street ball. Listen, kids getting knocked out and frozen on a field like happens now never happened when I was a kid. Not once in all my years of Pop Warner seeing stars and being a little dazed and confused at times. Yeah, those things happen, but concussions and, and clarifying what they are is a very different day and age, and I believe it's, it has a lot to do with our hydration and our nutrition that our kids are getting. Yeah, well said. And one thing that you said there about sacrifice, I think is very important because um, as most men outside of like military or high end, you know, uh, sports players, the first time most men ever understand what it's like to put somebody else another human beings needs ahead of our own um, is really through fatherhood. I mean, being a dad opens the door for that whole philosophy of true sacrifice and love that really can't be explained. It can only be experienced. And fatherhood is important. Family life, family values are very important. And, I, and my listeners know I talk about this all the time. It feels like there's an attack in this country on fatherhood and on the family life through our pop culture, the way dads are portrayed in movies and on TV um, is not the way that most dads actually are. It puts this false idea in the minds of the young men that fatherhood is something to avoid and not something to embrace. Well, the family as a whole is under attack. Um, Morality 
as a whole is under attack. Marriage is under attack. Um, and listen, I, I am just as guilty of, of wearing my junior God badge at times and setting my own moral standards and doing life my way. But truth will always be truth. And the freedom that truth brings in a family and a marriage um, is undeniable. And the act of submission um, has has literally been around since the, the beginning of time. You know, um, I don't want to offend anybody with a Bible story, but the, the basic story of Adam and Eve in the garden, all this is yours. It's for your pleasure. It's for your enjoyment. Just don't do this one thing. Submit to the authority of one request. And neither of them could do it, and so the ultimate sacrifice or the, the ultimate price had, had to be paid, and then there was all kinds of consequences because of lack of submission. And, and I just think as fathers, when we, when we submit to an ultimate truth in our life that, that says, listen, I'm not the most important thing. Let me, let me be last and build up my daughters, build up my wife, build up my friends, build up my, my employees, um, just even from take a, a spiritual biblical source out of it. But people can find great peace in the attitude of gratitude. People can find great peace and power in the attitude of, of listen, I'm not going to make this life about me. I'm going to work hard so I can give a lot of money away. I'm going to work hard so I can bless my children. I'm going to work hard so I can make my wife feel like the most special woman in the world. So these these PowerPoints or these positions that these um, self-help you know, coaches all over the world, these life coaches now, self-proclaimed life coaches are teaching, they're all biblical standards. But the truth is people don't want to be selfless. They were naturally selfish. People don't want to submit. They want to be the authority. But the truth is not one of us was meant to be the ultimate authority. We were all meant to to surrender to a higher power and be like, God, I don't know what tomorrow is bringing my way, so I, I'm asking you for wisdom on how to raise Ava and Naomi. This morning I sent them off to school. Naomi was was there's a girl coming back that um, to school that um, was there last year, and for some reason wasn't there the, the first half of the year this year. That was just mean and nasty to her last year. And so on her lunch bag, you know, I put Naomi, you you are kind and loving to the unlovable because I felt like today she was probably going to have to be loving to this girl that was probably going to be mean to her. But on Ava, my oldest bag, you know, I put, you are a protector and loyal. And they're both at the same school. And so I expect Ava to submit to my authority that, hey, if your sister needs you, I want you to go be protective and loyal. But Naomi, I want you to kind of die to self. If this girl is mean or nasty to you, you love her. You, you accept her even if she is um, being mean to you. And so these balances, I didn't teach myself that. The, the Bible taught me that. And, and that's where I'm at most peace is when, my life is, is surrendered to a God that made this planet and that made me and that made you, that made my daughters, made us all tick. And so when I do my best and say, God, give me wisdom of how to raise these girls, man, it's amazing how things just fall into place. Yeah, I love to hear you talk like that, Heath. Uh, I teach CCD, and one of the Bible verses uh, I try to quote often uh, to the kids, I think it's Matthew 7, 1, which says, Don't judge, for as you judge, so will you be judged, and the measure in which you judge will be measured to you. And I think that's kind of lost in the social media world that we live in now, where people just seem to judge everyone for every little thing so viciously. Uh, there's, uh, you know, It's so full of negativity and hate out there uh, on the uh, social media platforms. And 
I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some wonderful influencers out there as well. If you can find them, they're going to make a big impact on your life in a much in, in a real positive way. Sometimes it's just hard to find them because there's so much uh, garbage to filter through, you know, in the social media universe. Yeah, and, and I just always listen. I we the problem is people we uh, we have itching ears. We want to hear counsel and leadership and so-called wisdom that makes us feel good. Oh, I like that. Like the whole concept when leaders say, follow your heart. I'm going to just keep it real. That's the dumbest bit of advice I could, that I, I can't fathom. Like my heart is emotional. My heart one day wants this. My heart one day wants, man, I want out of this marriage. My heart one day, I don't want to be a dad today. My heart this, my heart that. My heart can lead me in all kinds of different ways. No, I need to find what am I, what, what am I, what truth am I ultimately going to surrender to and submit to and follow that no matter how I feel, no matter what my emotional heart is, is, is craving for that day? I mean, as men, if we're going to be honest, you know, I, I'm, I've been divorced now for the better part of five years, and um, uh, my fault in my marriage um, were significant areas of, of just selfishness at times. And so I had a very difficult marriage from the start. Um, and I'm proud of the first 10 years, but somewhere because I got focused on me after about 10 years, I became selfish and I got bitter with my ex-wife. And so then I made choices and decisions that were based on my heartfelt emotions, not on truth. And then that ultimately cost me a lot of pain and heartache. So my challenge is to people, listen, if, if, if you just want to feel good, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to spill a whole bunch of crap that's going to make you feel good for the moment. And then when you follow it, eventually the consequences of you following that those lies are going to keep more issues and more trouble onto your life. But if you ultimately want to find a source of truth that you are going to surrender to and submit to no matter what and trust in, that's where people find hope and they find healing in their marriage and they find uh, the ability to have wisdom to, to parent their kids. But um, there's a lot of people out there claiming um, to share wisdom, and it's not wisdom, it's opinion. And those opinions most of the time lead to an awful, awful lot of pain. And so it's not judgment, um, but, you know, as parents, we're going to judge the babysitter that we hire to watch our kids. What's their character? What's their morality? Um, what's their family life like? You know, what are, you know, what type of influence am I bringing into my home? So the, the whole aspect of not judging people um, is, is a fallacy to me. I think putting ourselves above people is the issue. When I judge like, oh, I would never do that, or oh, this, that becomes the issue of, of a judgmental, hateful personality, and that's what I want to stay far, far away from. Great point, Heath. Um, all right, uh, you had your girls while you were playing in the NFL, so walk me through some of the challenges of being a, you know, a high-level NFL player while being a dad. Um, how did you kind of balance all that out, and did becoming a father uh, play into your decision to retire from the NFL? Um. Not retiring, no. Yeah, I had always set a goal. I wanted to play 10 years and then, you know, reevaluate. And that's exactly what I did. After 10 years, I decided to retire and step into the TV world. And uh, it was a blessing to make that easy transition. Um, I, I always tell people, you know, the, 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 the season can be a bit difficult because you're committed to 53 other men as well as a coaching staff and an ownership group. But you're also committed, committed to the wife and the kids. That being said, um, there's plenty of time in a NFL ball player's schedule um, to be a great dad, to be an active dad. And, and if you were lucky enough, like I was, to be involved with some great organizations, you know, Tuesday is, is the so-called NFL day off. Well, for the championship teams that I was on, 
Tuesdays aren't a day off, but you can sure believe that I on Tuesdays, you know, I was bringing my girls up to the facility with me um, while I was working out or while I was rehabbing an injury or doing the ice tub or the sauna. Um, you know, my days in New England, you know, both neither of the girls were in school yet, and I'd drop them off in the kitchen, and the ladies in the kitchen would feed them pancakes and waffles, and I'd go get my rehab and stuff done, and they'd have a great day running around the kitchen there at the New England Patriots Stadium and everything else. And same with New Orleans. I, I, I had some great family environments where the, the kids and, and the um, significant others were always welcomed around. And so great ownership obviously helps the parenting role as an NFL player, um, but they're still – um, you know, I'd be at the facility most mornings by 6. I'd get there early so that I wouldn't have to stay, um, you know, past 5, and then I'd be home and actively involved until it was, you know, 8.30 or 9 and time to, to crash again. But doctors, lawyers, school teachers, coaches, they don't, they don't get that same amount of time that I would as uh, a player. And then the off-seasons afforded me all kinds of time to be a very active dad, and I always made it a uh, a priority to have my training sessions, you know, start about 6 a.m. And so I'd be back at the house by 9 a.m. and eating and ready to spend the day with, with my family. And so, again, it's it's having priorities about what's important. And, you know, so after the girls came along, it was very easy for me because I, I've, I've loved being a dad. I haven't always been the best dad, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a priority to me, and I'm always trying to plan and strategize how to be a better dad. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, awesome. And I love the foundation that you started years ago to help so many victims of sexual abuse. Um, I was fortunate enough to have Navy SEAL Craig Sawyer on the show here, and he goes after all these uh, child sex traffickers, which, I mean, the whole issue, it's a far bigger problem than most people realize. Um, So what was the genesis of you starting that foundation? Well, it was my ex-wife. You know, I um, after getting married, um, you know, I mentioned we we had a kind of a hard marriage from the jump. You know, and I um, my heart goes out to every victim of sexual abuse because there is a physical abuse that might attack the emotional makeup or the the, the mental makeup of a person. And I'm not belittling any form of of abuse, uh, but sexual abuse attacks the soul of a human being, male or female. Um, and, and there's a side of me as I've gotten to know and understand better. Um, sometimes I feel like it affects the male sometimes far harsher um, than the female because most of the time um, males are abused by another male. Um, and it is a confusing act to the, to the male mind where most of the time um, females are abused by a male predator. And so, um, not belittling either one, but as I've dived more into um, the issues that it's caused for young boys and young girls, um, it is paralyzing to their soul. And so um, after, you know, getting married, um, you know, my, my ex-wife confided in me that she had been a victim of, of abuse. And so after trying to pour into her with great counseling and love and affection from um, all the godly women in my life, as well as the resources that we could that we could find, um, you know, I, I had asked her if we could start a, a charity to provide the same resources that we had provided her to families that didn't have the, the financial resources to, to do the things that we did. And so um, she had given me that clearance, and so we worked hard for seven and a half years. Um, to, we raised a lot of money, and we helped a, a lot of, um, I called them family members. I never wanted to label them victims because 
um, we ultimately needed them to escape that victim mentality if they were ever going to walk in freedom in life. And um, that is a very tough task when it comes to sexual abuse um, because it does, it warps the mind and attacks the soul. Um, and it is evil to the greatest extent. And um, it is uh, something that needs more attention. And um, hopefully as, um, you know, I'm building career number three here now, that will be something that I can tackle again in, in the near future. Um, there is if uh, A21 campaign, if anyone listening that, that wants to get involved in this particular type of charitable outreach, A21.org um, is rescuing um, sexual slave victims from all over the world. And um, their leader is a lady named Christine King that is just an amazing, amazing, humble servant. And they, they use their resources wisely. Um, and it's just a great place to get involved. I had to shut my – didn't have to. I chose to shut my charity down to try to focus on my ex-wife when I realized that that was something that was uh, creating division between us and also focus on Ava and Naomi um, as the divorce uh, started to um, kind of work its way out, so to speak. Well, God bless you for the work that you've done, uh, the attention that you brought to the table here, and for helping you know so many people. I will definitely include a link to the organization that you mentioned there in the description of this podcast episode. Uh, let me kind of use that to transition into the sexual harassment claims that were made against you, which cost you your job at the NFL Network. Uh, you denied the claims. What's the story here, Heath, and what type of impact uh, has those accusations had on your girls? Uh, honesty is the best policy from, from day one. And, um, and so, um, you know, the, the hard part about this situation was Ava and Naomi knew, um, my accuser and knew her intimately well and, um, had been, um, with her outside of work, um, had, um, been babysitted by her multiple times at work, um, had given her Christmas gifts and, um, really been loved by my accuser as well as loved her in return. And so um, when the news went public, um, you know, I sat my girls down um, and and asked them some very important questions um, about my accuser and um, and let them kind of speak their mind. And then I told them um, what I was being accused of by her. And then I, I lovingly tried to remind them of what they thought of her um, before um, they heard what she was accusing me of. Um, I think forgiveness. Um, I think uh, <sighs> fighting for understanding when there is no way to understand is, is important. Having my background and being around hundreds, if not thousands, of victims of sexual abuse and knowing my accuser so intimately well in a lot of ways, um, oftentimes victims... Um, attack people that have loved them the most in an absurd effort for control. And um, if there is counselors or, um, you know, psychologists listening, they'll be like, okay, I understand what Heath is saying. If you haven't experienced sexual abuse personally or been around someone that's had to walk through this process, um, and, I'll, and I'll use a, uh, I guess, an analogy from, from my marriage, the harder I pressed and pushed into um, I love you, Beth Ann. I'm here for you. I will never leave you. Um, the more that you get rejected, the more that you get pushed away because of, of, of a number of reasons that I won't go into. Um, but the importance of letting the girls speak their mind of what they thought about my accuser before I told them what she'd accused me of 
um, was because I wanted them to keep their mind in a place um, that was of kindness and love towards my accuser. That has been very, very difficult for me at times. It's been very, very difficult for Ava and Naomi. Um, you know, but I threw up a, an Instagram post um, today um, about um, betrayal and the opportunity that it affords us. It affords us the opportunity to be blessed or it affords us the opportunity to grow bitter. Our bitterness will hurt a lot of people. Our blessings will help a lot of people. And um, and so we have walked through that with um, openness and honesty and integrity from every bit of my involvement with my accuser um, to um, being very, very clear about how the NFL um, chose to handle it. And, you know, uh, justice will be served one way or the other. Um, we are currently processing through um, the um, <laughs> aspects of, of trying to discuss with the NFL and potentially moving on towards a, a lawsuit. Um, they um, have just handled this in, in a way that um, honestly surprised me. And so I'll leave it at that. Um, the I have no ill will um, towards towards anyone. That is but by the grace of God that he has just allowed me to see how flawed I am and how um, some poor mistakes that I've made in my life that I've got no room to judge anyone. Um, but this is far bigger than me. This is for every man that's been falsely accused. This is for every real victim of sexual abuse because the more innocent men that go down um, and stuff like this, the more it hurts the real victims of sexual abuse and sexual harassment. So um, I am going to fight for justice um, however um, I see best, um, and I will never shut up about um, – a, the issues of sexual abuse, um, or how the NFL chose to handle it. I have just been processing um, this time of life with a lot of wise counsel and a lot of uh, godly mentors because I don't ever want to appear bitter. I don't want to re appear revengeful, but I do want to fight for justice, and I think that's what good leaders do. I think they remove themselves from the situation, and they do the right thing. And so the right thing um, is not to sue bitterly and spew vomit everywhere and just try to destroy everyone. Um, but the right thing here is is not to let it die, um, to to fight for the injustice, um, not just for me, but the full cover-up of the NFL. And that's exactly what it is because people always think it's easier to cover up than clean up. Well, Dallas Mavericks said, showed us very clearly that it's much easier to clean up than cover up. They were very transparent with everything that was discovered in their investigation uh, from the owner all the way down. They got rid of the people that needed to be get, got rid of, um, and they defended the people that needed to be defended. And that's what the NFL should have done. Instead, they wanted to avoid any type of PR issue, um, and so they just tossed the baby out with the bathwater. And they made um, myself and Ava and Naomi collateral damage, um, and that has caused me a lot of anger at times. It's caused me as the protector of my home. Um, to to honestly want to attack the place with scorched earth mentality, which I have in me. Um, I am trusting the men and women I have around me to lead me and guide me in a way that will ultimately benefit every victim of sexual abuse um, and, and stand up for every man that's ever been falsely accused. And also teach big business um, that you don't get to toy with people's lives. You don't get to, for the better the betterment of, you, of your PR cycle, um, to um, callously and with every form of lack of integrity possible, um, just cast people aside. And the biggest thing is 
there was women involved in this um, at the NFL level, um, women that have um, made great gains now in their career with the NFL um, because they chose to cover this up. Um, and so the women in HR that from day one of this told me I'd done nothing wrong and that they were thankful for my cooperation. And so those women, you know, from day one uh, made me very comfortable about not making a statement when these things went public, you know, December 12th of 2017. Um, they, they made me very um, comfortable um, and not hiring a lawyer at the time um, to, to fight this. And so they asked me not to make a statement, and so therefore I didn't, ultimately submitting and surrendering to the authority of the NFL that had fed my family for 17 years. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they plotted and they schemed to, to keep this quiet as can be with no concern um, for the end result on anyone's lives um, except for the, 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 the PR circuit of the NFL. And so um, it is what it is, lesson learned. Um, and, and now um, we just continue to, to fight for justice and, and, and whatever, not, not what I think that is, but ultimately I think people, anyone listening knows that, that I believe in um, an all-powerful God. Um, and his word is very, very clear that vengeance belongs to him and not me, and I'm not going to take on that weight because I don't want the weight of that bitterness and anger and resentment. Um, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to live my life of love and peace, and I'm going to guide my daughters in a way that because they're going to be hurt. They're going to be betrayed in this life. They're going to be talked bad about in life. And we live in a day and age where, you know, people don't know the difference between reputation and rumor anymore. And, and my so-called reputation has taken a big hit. Um, honestly, not worry about it. Every woman that I am um, what I would consider a friend or a loved one has offered their support both publicly as well as legally moving forward. Um, and so justice will be served one way or the other, whether in this life or the next. Um, and that's what I have great hope in. Yeah, Heath, I will be praying for you and your family throughout this whole ordeal. I can't imagine what you're going through. You have every right uh, to be full of anger and revenge. The way you're handling yourself is, is with a lot of class. You're very well spoken about how you feel. Uh, this whole subject, really, it affects me in a personal way. My wife was a victim of child sex abuse. Uh, so this really hits home, and I love the passion that you bring to this issue. And I'd like to believe that this is all happening for a reason, so that, you know, hopefully when you come out on top of this, you can make your point and really drive it home even more and make more of an impact in the world of sexual abuse and sexual harassment and all of it. Absolutely, um, I believe it. All right, we just flipped the calendar to 2019. What kind of goals and plans do you have for the future, and where can my listeners get in touch with and find out more about you? Well, um, there's, there's some big plans. You know, I have, uh, as I've been seeking wise counsel of how to handle all the legal stuff with the NFL, I've also been seeking wise counsel um, with the, the businessmen that I have around me of how best to um, use my gifts and talents moving forward. Um, yeah, so my whole life I've kind of lived by this built-ready mantra, which is um, the idea that anyone is born ready for anything of significance is a lie. Um, we're not born ready for anything that would have greatness uh, attached to it. We have to be built ready. We have to be built up through um, great mentors, through great struggle, um, through betrayal now, um, through uh, asking for help, through humility, through submitting to coaches and teachers and parents, and ultimately never stop working. Um, the, the belief that hard work works um, and hard work will never return void in our lives. Um, that is the built-ready mantra, but it's not just uh, in physical fitness and in athletics. Um, I am starting in the fitness world with, um, you know, kind of taking my platform 
um, that uh, I've built over the last few years and encouraging people, yes, through their physical fitness, but anyone that would visit my Instagram page um, would see very quickly that I'm much more about helping people get built ready for life um, than get built ready six-pack abs. Um, and so uh, my goal um, is to start my own podcast here uh, within the next 90 days. I've had got some great men that have kind of wrapped their arms around me that are helping me start that process. Um, that will be the Built Ready podcast. Um, that will be everything um, under the sun that has to do with helping men be built ready for a successful life. And those are men from the age of, of 14 all the way up to, to 94 because um, I know this about life. We're all kind of um, – we're all fighting a lot of the same issues. They might have some different circumstances, um, but we're all fighting pride. We're all fighting selfishness. We're all fighting um, disciplined issues. We're all fighting to be more loving. We're all fighting um, to be um, really the, the men that, that God has created us to be. And so I will have everyone from coaches to uh, Mr. Olympias on there to, um, you know, billionaire business owners, um, that are talking about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, everything from, from fatherhood to building a business to how to discipline your daily life, how to maximize our talents and ability, because ultimately I, I want to take um, my my gifts and talents and, and bring people to truth and wisdom, um, not opinion, um, things that are fact-based um, that, that we can really help usher men into being greater husbands, greater fathers, um, and having real-world, real-life impact in, in their sphere of influence. Yeah, very cool. I'll be including a link to your Instagram page in the description of this podcast episode as well. Uh, I love what you're doing. I love what your plans are for the future here. I'll definitely be a listener of the podcast. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Heath, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to that new dad or to that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Mm, these kids are brilliant. From about uh, the 10 or 11 month mark, Ava and Naomi both um, fully understood the word no. Um, they started to challenge discipline. Um, I think parenting this day and age um, is done, honestly, in a very unloving way. They feel bad about disciplining, and so therefore they don't, which is ultimately when you reflect on it, it's very selfish. It's about the parent. It's about the father. Um, and I still struggle with this to this to this day in, in a divided home where, you know, my daughters are with their mom some. Um, I, I struggle with, am I, well, man, if, if I'm this kind of really strict, disciplined home, then ultimately when they get old enough, maybe they'll leave and go want to be with their mom full time. Well, that doesn't change my job as a father. I'm still supposed to discipline them and train them in the way that they go. And the word of God says in the end, they won't depart from it. So I've got to create an environment of discipline and structure and love. Um, and so most of the time people wait too long, and, and now we live in this tamper tantrum or uh, what's the proper word, uh, temper tantrum society where we see kids in the grocery store freaking out, wallowing all over the floor. Um, never once did I ever have those issues with my daughter, and it wasn't because I was a perfect father. It's just because we started what I like to call vitamin N, which is vitamin no, very, very early. And, and kids don't need to always understand um, why they're being told no. They just need to learn to accept no because a boss, a coach, a teacher, um, we're going to be told no a whole bunch of times in our lives, and we have to learn how to teach our kids how to handle being told no with a good attitude. But more importantly, we got to teach our kids how to say no to themselves. 
um, when they are in those um, situations where the kids around them are are drinking or participating in drugs or um, maybe a, boy, a boyfriend is pressuring them in a situation um, that they know they're not supposed to be in, um, being able to tell ourselves, no, we can't do that, no, you can't have that, no, you can't partake in that is huge power. And, and, and our society is growing up in, in a day and age where kids aren't, they don't know how to handle being told no. And they definitely don't know how to tell themselves no. And I tell Ava and Naomi probably once a week, girls, trust the process. I am raising you up in a way where you are going to dominate this world in 15 years because you guys are growing up with a bunch of just panty waist sissies that can't discipline themselves, can't be told no, and don't know how to push themselves through physical and emotional um, and, and spiritual pain at times. And, and I firmly believe that. There is less and less real leaders being raised, and I am bound and determined to to raise um, two loving, kind, um, dominant, powerful women um, that don't need to tell the world they're powerful because they walk in a room and their presence demonstrates power. Um, my mom is one of the most powerful women I know. She was working for General Motors back in the early 80s, making more than most of the men in the building she never asked for special preferential treatment because she was a woman. She worked her way to the top. And so this society that we live in where everyone's being held back and we're all victims, it's BS. And I don't let my girls think that for a second. And so I started that very, very young with them, um, the discipline process of, 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 listen, we don't get what we want in this life. And ultimately, we don't get what we work for either because sometimes there's just other circumstances that take over. But hard work always works. Um, and, and that disciplined aspect of not spoiling our kids, but, but just telling them no, and for sometimes no reason, just for them to handle no. You know, the girls know it's called vitamin N, um, and, and that's, <laughs> that's what it is. So, well, why? Uh, there, there is no reason. I just want to see if you can handle being told no. Awesome. I'm on board with your whole philosophy. You have a great message. Heath Evans, I got to say, uh, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me. All right, I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Heath Evans for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was awesome. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. And you have got to bring it right back here next week. I got five episodes coming at you. Kicking it off with Emmy winner Mario Armstrong. I'm going to have celebrity concierge Steve Sims. I got former Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell coming for a Frogman Friday. He'll be joined by his wife, Melanie. Don't miss out on it. Lock it into First Class Fatherhood. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend with your kids out there. Bring it right back to First Class Fatherhood on Monday. That's all I got for you. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, I saw feelings.